You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season 12, episode 42. Uh, I'm John, I'm your host for this evening, and tonight we have a treat in store because we have a relegation contender podcast uh, for you for the Premiership, so hopefully for the guys that are on it, it'll be a bit therapeutic. Um, I know what it's like when my own team have had a bad result, quite often it can be good to get on and hear your views, um, and we're getting to the point whereby decisions will be made about who's going to go down, get involved in the playoffs, so... The three guests that we've got on tonight will all be hoping they are not in those positions, but um, at least one will be. Um, so, first of all, we have returning guests from the Premiership Specials. Ross, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, John. Thanks for having me back on. Hi, no, good to have you back on. Um, and we have another returning guest. We've got Martin. Hi there, thanks for having me back on again. No worries. And then last but not least, we have a debutant on the podcast this evening, uh, Andy. How are you doing? Very well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no, good to have you on. Thanks for agreeing to come on at short notice as well. Um, we were hoping to have a Motherwell fan on as well, but unfortunately they're not feeling too good and we couldn't get a replacement. So for those that don't know, Ross is a Ross County fan, Martin is a Kawarnik fan, and Andy is a Dundee United fan. So we're going to kick off with... Um, the weekend action, which actually worked out quite well because the bottom four all played each other. Um, and the person that will be happiest sitting here definitely will be Ross. And I did promise you last time you were on that I would get you speaking first because you had the unfortunate position of being the last alphabetically. Um, so, by the way, with the, the joy of the weekend. I know, I was going to hold you to that. I did remember that from the, the Premiership podcast. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, I, I, I can't lie. Obviously, the weekend was a very, very good weekend for Ross County, both in Dingwall, but the result down in Kilmarnock as well. I mean, um, starting off with ourselves, I mean, it was a it was a really good performance from ourselves. I mean, you know, um, Andy will touch on Dundee United, I'm sure. But, um, I mean, going into the game, we know how we knew how big of a game it was going to be. Um, and an early goal, just it settles the nerves straight away and you could see the confidence then spread through the team uh, when Brophy scored and then opposite to that you could see the any confidence that was in that United side just completely drain um, and then especially after the second goal uh, went in as well um, but honestly um, it could have been three or four at half time quite comfortably and then second half Started the same way, um, really dominated the middle of the pitch. United made a change. They took Dylan Levitt off and and um, they were already kind of struggling to get to grips with the midfield. Um, and taking Levitt off, I think, just made that point even more. Um, kind of really dominated in there. And then we were unlucky with the disallowed goal that Jordan White is two yards out. He's heading it into an open goal and Noan Ken is pretty much stood in the line. It hits him. It's given offside. But then, almost like five minutes after that, White does get his goal, and then Brophy, Brophy's second goal is a fantastic finish. Um, and 
the difference I would say in the team um, now compared to the Hamilton Cup game. The Hamilton Cup game was a real low for us. Um, you could see that it was a team that you were feeling the worst for. Um, but since then, the sign the signings of Brophy, um, Josh Stones as well. He's come off the bench a couple of times. He looks really energetic, really strong, um, looking to make an impression up front when he gets the opportunity. Um, Simon Murray as well, I think is a, a really good signing from Queen's Park. Um, top scorer in the championship. He's match fit in form as well. Um, so having that option there too is good. Um, and and yeah, getting these guys involved. And Guion Edwards as well. He was signed, I think, like two minutes before the deadline, getting that across the line. It was his first home game on Saturday. And he, I, I thought he played really well. I mean, Brophy will get the headlines for the two goals and two assists. But um, I was really impressed with Edwards on the right-hand side. So, um, no, a really, really good day for us in Dingwall. Um, and long may it continue, especially coming up to a much, well, much maligned um, six-pointer again this weekend against Motherwell. I get a chance to get an RC points there. Um, yeah. Though, obviously, Motherwell, since Kettlewell took over, three games, two wins, one draw, um, kind of shows how quickly things can turn around, which... From the point of view of Andy as a Dundee United fan, you'll be hoping it'll be a third time lucky managerial wise as well this season. I mean, absolutely. And time is obviously now running out. There's only 12 games left. And for all the positives Ross had about Saturday, United obviously was the exact opposite. Um, and really, you know, it looked to me like for the second time this season, well, at least the second time, if you don't care, Alkmaar, but I was referring to the Celtic game that the United players chucked it. Um, Docs obviously have been doing quite poorly and, and they've lost a lot of games but um, outside of a couple of two goal defeats to the old firm, United actually since Fox has been in charge, the only game they've lost by more than a goal was to Hearts where Humphrey scores that screamer from 50 yards in the 90th minute, so to move from that to the Ross County game where United were actually lucky to get out at 4-0 because as Ross touched upon, there was a goal that was potentially on, you know, only just offside they hit the post in the first half Simon Murray had a chance in the last minute. United were very fortunate that it wasn't five, six, maybe even seven, frankly. And I, the, my only conclusion is that the players chucked it because whilst they've not been informed and they've been losing games, they haven't been getting hammered at all, but they were completely thumped in what Fox was aware was clearly a massive game for him. Five defeats in a row, the owner in the country having not been over since August and seeing perhaps the anger firsthand that had been bubbling due to United's January transfer window. Um, and the performance just suggested to me that the players were not playing for the manager. And obviously in the 48 hours or in the last 48 hours, there's been some movement. Liam Fox was dismissed yesterday and earlier this evening, Tony Asgar has um, if, if stepped down or, or been dismissed. There's been a mutual termination there, the sporting director, who a lot of the fans' anger had, had been aimed at because he effectively runs the club, even though the Ogrens own it. The Ogrens are in America. They know they don't know the Scottish football market. And Tony Asgar is a guy on the ground, very much running the football club. Um, so that is quite a sea change there um, ahead of a new manager coming in for the club. Yeah, but you're disappointed in particular. You mentioned the January transfer window, like Dundee United seem to be almost as if they were not taking part in it. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it's bizarre. I mean, the owners have put in a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money to now. The director's own account shows they've put in about £10 million. That is not sustainable longer term. And I understand why they can't keep putting money in. And some of the supporters were frustrated because Harry Souter, one of Dundee United's former players, moved from Stoke City to Leicester City. United, for £50 million, United reportedly get a 20% cut to that. So around £3 million. But that deal was only done late on the 31st of January. So I fully understand why the owners are going to potentially take most of that out. But that doesn't excuse the way that they conducted because other clubs did business. And Tony Asgard did this bizarre interview on Sportsend where he said some of the targets we were looking for were out of our price range. In that circumstance, you have to look for alternate targets in your price range. Quite obviously, it's a matter of recruitment. And what I think is particularly damning is that we let Tony Watt go bizarrely. And I think the only rationale is that we were unable to manage him. He's clearly a big personality. He's been to 12 or 13 clubs in the last 10 years. He's not lasted anywhere particularly long. And so it, it was quite clear that obviously they took the view was a bad influence, but to let him go without bringing someone in is inexcusable. And the explanation given was there was no one out there. Well, Kilmarnock have, have brought in Kyle Vassell, who scored the winner against United to put Dundee United at the Scottish Cup. Eamon Brophy scored twice at the weekend, who Ross County have taken from St Mirren. And then there's Simon Murray, who Ross mentioned, I think is a, a great signing, top scorer in the Championship. Really surprised Queen's Park let him go, given the position they are in in the Championship. Seems a, a very odd move, you know, not to wait until the summer and have a crack at promotion. And then Motherwell have brought in John Obika, who scored the first goal against Hearts. So there are three strikers that have come in. And Rory Loy mentioned on Sports and he thought United were looking for like a 15-goal you know, striker or something, you know, miraculous. And, and I think that probably is the case, whereas the reality is in this situation, you need to pick up someone that might score two, three, four, five goals if you're lucky between now and the end of the season. Just someone that will get, you know, an extra two, three, four points, which in a relegation battle is absolutely vital. Um, so the strategy in January, I don't know if the owners thought, we've got enough there, we'll be fine. But they're now in a very serious situation where they're unable to go out to the market to get players unless it's a free agent market. And the free agent market is a very difficult market to go into, although it does sound as if United are bringing in an American goalkeeper this uh, week, which is essential because the goal they lost um, to St. Johnston a week ago, I think, is the worst goal I've ever seen United lose with uh, Mark Berigetti being tackled and, and and not even trying to kick the ball. His, his legs not even started to go back to clear it as Stevie May tackles him. It's the most bizarre goal ever. And then Jack Newman, the young goalkeeper, comes in and the first goal Ross County scored at the weekend was just absolute, a comedy of errors, you know, a real embarrassing goal. And the goalkeeping situation has been ridiculous for United. So they need to get someone in. Um, and they've obviously gone into the free agent market to get this guy called uh, Bill Hamid, who has played for America a few times, played for DC United most recently, but not played since May 2022. But he can only be an improvement on uh, Birgitte, frankly. Aye, well, you've had a, you've had a few goalkeeping problems because Ericsson as well was hopeless. Um, yeah, so. and, and the, the frustrating thing is they knew Segrist was leaving. Segrist was a good goalkeeper. Um, but Trevor Carson was a ready-made replacement. He's been great for St Mirren. St Mirren might finish in the top six for the first time in about... I think 35, 40 years. I don't think they've been in the top six since the 1980s. Um, and a large part of that is Trevor Carson's been a good goalkeeper for them. And we had him in the house and we let him go to bring in two really poor goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, Martin, for yourself at the weekend, bit of a sickener. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you know, what a strike. You know, you kind of take away from the from Slattery, it was an unbelievable strike, and you know, but that didn't. <laughs> I wasn't really thinking about it at that moment in time when that went in. Um, you know, there was a better, 
but for me personally, I, I don't blame McInnes, like as much as what some people do. You know, we were in a position where we're one nil. We'd missed chances to make it 2-0. On reflection, the draw was a fair result um, because, you know, we dominated the first half. Wasn't clinical, didn't take our chances. Should have really been 2-0 up at the half-time. Um, that gave Motherwell the chance to regroup themselves. You know, Catwell's done brilliantly since he's come in um, and, and they they were brilliant second half. You know, they really got into us, uh, our faces. I do blame McInnes not for changing it earlier. But then, he's I get why some fans. Yeah, Aberdeen, he was always criticised for not making changes quick enough. Yeah, he, he didn't make them quick enough, and I was thinking around the 67, uh, 70 minute mark, he needed to freshen up just to sort of uh, stretch the Motherwell defence a bit on the counter. Um, he probably shouldn't have changed it and made the three subs after eighty-five minutes. And a lot of people, uh, come on up fans, are sort of saying McInnes, you know, that was his fault as to why we drew that. Nah, it wasn't. It was because Rory McKenzie gives away a ridiculous free kick on the edge of the box, which he should have been experienced enough to defend that or stand his ground. There's, I mean, he, if you look at the highlights, right, he's lucky not to get a red card for it. He goes in with the elbow. Yeah. He, he, You know, he got a yellow card. I looked at it at the time. I couldn't see it. I was over under the pitch, but I seen it after... I'm like, ah, it's a red card. But all you need to do is stand your ground. There's no need to to, to go in like he did. And for me, McInnes, uh, sorry, McInnes, sorry, McKenzie sells his team down the river. And I love McKin- McKenzie. There's a, a command at fan base, a, sort of like Marmite when it comes to McKenzie. But I love him for his work rate and that. But it was just like, for me, McInnes makes the subs. But if Ma- if McKenzie doesn't make that, um, decision of <laughs> elbowing the player pretty much um, you know we hold out we win 1-0 you know Derek McInnes isn't talked about about his substitutes and this that and the other you know it's it's a great result against a Motherwell team that have you know done really well under Catwell uh, and we look back on a great three points but because player can't keep his discipline in that moment of madness gives that free kick away he sells his team down the river, in my opinion. And, and you know, he's experienced enough. He's not a young boy. He's been around the game plenty. Of, you know, he's been at Kilmarnock, what, 11 years now? You know, he's an experienced Premiership player. He's a local lad. Yeah, I get he's passionate and all that. But, you know, it's a ridiculous challenge. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, personnel, just to talk about Kilmarnock and we'll talk about goal scorers and different things like that, were you surprised how the January transfer window worked out? In terms of, obviously... Shaw Wayne, who McInnes obviously didn't rate for whatever reason. The Lafferty situation, by all accounts, McInnes wanted him to stay, but the decision was made above his head. You've got Doidge in there who, I don't want to be unfair to him, but it does seem as if injuries have maybe kind of caught with him and he's maybe levels too high for him now. Um, and then you bring in, I suppose, like a bit of a wild card in the sale, who's made a decent impact so far, but you're still pretty short. And, in terms of attacking options, I think. Yeah, I mean, as you know, talk, you know, Andrew talks about the uh, January transfer window and he took the sort of words out of my mouth, really. I was going to come on and talk about it, but yeah, you know, he's right in what he says. Abika um, signs, you know, for um, Motherwell. Um, great performance against Hearts, scores a goal, I think he does. 
you know, adds that presence up front with Van Veen, so there's not as much pressure on him to always produce the goods, and he's a physical presence. Um, you know, you've got Eamon Brophy's gone up to Ross County, Kilmarnock fans, myself, know what Brophy's all about. Um, watching Brophy on sports scene and watching the highlights, I was like, wow, that was like watching Brophy under Steve Clark, the season that he played with Greg Stewart. Brophy was unplayable. Uh, that second goal he scored just epitomised Brophy of what he was like. Um, all about pace and power. And that shot, you know, you could tell that was a player um, playing on confidence. Um, you know, I just think, I just question myself, why the hell are we not looking at bringing him back down the road? You know, 20 minutes down the road and he's decided to go all the way up to Ross County on loan. That's just bizarre. You know, it's... It's crazy. We should be looking at players like that. No disrespect to Ross County, but if Ross County are playing, signing these players, I'm looking at the players they're signing, and they've, they've got a really good squad when you look at it. I mean, the personnel they've got is fantastic. I'm like that. Like, what is the attraction up there? No disrespect, but Ross County should be, if they're signing them players, so should Kilmarnock. We should be looking at signing them type of players as well. And I'm not just talking about Brophy. I'm talking about other players they've signed, you know. It's just, it's frustrating. I don't understand that the, the transfer setup that Kilmarnock for some time has just been diabolical. Absolutely diabolical. I mean, when Alessio came in after Clark, it all stems back from then, maybe, because he had a set of players he wanted to come in and bring up. The list never happened. Um, next minute, there's a, you know, players are sort of taking charge in the changing rooms. And then Broadfoot signs himself back at the club in January. You know, you know, there's no proper transfer structure there. Um, McInnes didn't have the players he wanted in in the summer. He's still looking for his favourite eleven. Um, it's become the McInnes Tombola. <laughs> used to that. I remember that. It's absolute. I mean, I'll give you an example. So Blair Alston is not a Premier League player anymore. He, he you know, he's a good, he's a good lad. Brad Lyons, he, he was always injured and he's, he wasn't even a championship player. And all of a sudden, they're starting away at Dundee United in the Cup. Fair enough. They play okay. But he decided, I used to go and play him in the game against Hibs away. I'm like, oh, yeah, just, you know, just the whole setup at, at Kilmarnock with the system is it's just ridiculous. And in terms of bringing players in, you know, like you just said there, we let Lafferty go. I mean, Lafferty should have gone way before. I mean, what what could be far worse than what he's already done? To pay him, perform, well, for how many months? A 10-match ban, through the World Cup and all that, through to Christmas. You know, he must, did he do too many star jumps, too many? You know, what? Too, too, many, too many Rangers games, I think. It was a... I, j- jumping around, doing star jumps, gets in the semi-final, gets dragged off at half-time. I mean, honest to God, he was just, for me, laugh at he... Did so many good things at Kilmarnock, but he's just let himself down. And I mean, we don't even know what he's done, but it must have been far worse because McInnes wanted him to stay, liked working with him, and he was gobsmacked that he left. You know, to me, you know, it doesn't seem like the board was speaking to McInnes at that point because McInnes wasn't aware at five o'clock that he was leaving. And and then he's, he's left, he's out the door. Ollie Shaw was apparently planned the week before but Barnsley wanted it to be done last minute. Why are you not saying now nah, we need players in? Look, you either want your player or or you can you can you can do one like, you know. And for me, I don't know why Ollie Shaw 
wasn't at least given a chance. I don't understand it. Like, you know, top goal scorer, he's, he, he did an okay stint at Ross County. He's, he's got potential. He's still young. I still think he'll have an okay and decent career. And surely he's better than what we've got. I think the problem is McInnes always likes a big target man up front. Um, I know why Shaw doesn't agree, doesn't fit that agenda. Um, so I, 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 I'll give you one example. Also, you know, second half, you talked about Deutsch. You know, we were 1-0 up at the time. A through ball early on in the second half. Uh, obviously, Vassal suspended. I'm not even going to go into that. That's just another subject I don't really want to talk about. Um, <laughs> but Deutsch is running through on goal. Now, for me, if that's Eamon Brophy, for example, that's 2-0. Game over. Beat him. You know, we're beating Motherwell. But it's that's the difference, is getting a player with a better pace. Yeah. See, go back to the transfer strategy. This is something we discussed, I remember, Ross, on the January podcast we did, all the fans on. We were talking to Neil. Am I right in saying that Kilmarnock only have seven players signed beyond the end of the season? Um, yeah, something ridiculous like that. Um, and obviously, what they seem to be doing is, and McKenna's like this at Aberdeen, but he's rely, they're relying predominantly on loan players. You can't really kind of build something when you're relying on so many loan players and the ones that have come in I suppose it, the loan market's always hitting this anyway you're going to get a diamond now and again but are many of them really impressed? No, I'd say Chambers and Criseni on the left are pretty good you know players and Criseni's too injury prone but Chambers has come in and I mean his debut against Dundee United on the the day after the transfer window you know it was absolutely superb like it was a breath of fresh air um, the assist that he got for Armstrong was brilliant and after that penalty miss we took the onus that night and won the game and it was just that that, cha- that was a game changer but yeah Chambers was great that night um, other than that um, Lewis Mayo has been good um, had a really bad start a bit of a difficult one but he's grown on me grown on a lot of Kilmarnock fans and he's to the point that we were hoping to probably sign him permanently in January and try and bring in Alex Lowry from Rangers on loan, but that never materialised because um, he was looking at being available. So that, that didn't happen. But I, enough, apart from that, there hasn't really been too many others that I've been that impressed with, to be honest. Jordan yeah. Jones is, is on a big wage. Um, I mean, the Jordan Jones scenario, God knows what was going on there. He was recalled and then and then came back to Kilmarnock. Yeah, he was he was he was recalled. That's right. Yeah, it was a bit mixed up with Wigan, but for me, reading between the lines and the fact that Joe, you know, he's not a starter as it is. For me, McInnes felt like he had to bring him back and you know use him, but I mean, he played against Hibs and then dragged him off at half time. What's that going to do for the confidence for the player? You know what I mean? I'll be honest, I don't think he's a McInnes type player. He's not going to work right to like do all the defensive work that McInnes likes as well. McInnes likes players that can do all aspects of the game. Um, yeah. Sorry, Ross, were you going to say something? Yeah, I I, uh, I thought Jones actually played really well in Dingwall when um, yeah. we won 3 0. I actually I thought he gave Harmony a really tough time, especially in the first half. And um, I think the, the Jones kind of recall, no recall fiasco was a bit, I don't want to say partly down to County as well because Guion Edwards has come up on loan from Wigan and if that was done very, very late in the window how how much heads up would Wigan have had of that? Probably not enough time to go out and take someone in 
So they would have thought, right, who have we got out on loan here? Jones, probably the most likely candidate, winger for winger. Might not have, he probably wouldn't have played every game for Wigan, but as an option there, as a squad player, recall him, send Edwards up to up to Dingwall, but whatever admin error has gone on down the road has prevented that, but they've still sent up Edwards and then ended up not getting Jones back down the road. I mean, for a couple of days, it actually looked like County had played maybe a bit of a blinder by weakening a rival by strengthening themselves indirectly, but um, I mean, obviously that didn't happen, but uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a weird one to keep an eye on with that kind of situation having gone on. Yeah, it was um, it was a strange one. I mean, again, a lot of the fan base aren't happy because obviously it's um, misdemeanors before going off to Rangers. And I, I, to be honest, I, I personally like Jones and I wanted him to do well. And when he was coming back up in the summer, I was really pleased. Um, I thought that's the type of calibre of player that will sort of um, help us in attack. It will give us um, better options of what we had. Um, you know, he, from what I remember, Jones got that trickery, that bit of pace and skill, and he does in flashes show it. Um, can overdo it, but then as a winger, you know, wingers take risks a bit like Armstrong does. Um, but you've got a track back which Armstrong does, Jones doesn't, as pointed out there, John. Um, and that's maybe why he's not favoured. But you know, I was quite intrigued to see what he would do and. To be honest, he's—I don't know what it is with Jones. I, I think really since his uh, tackle when he was trying to um, impress in the old firm and it all went wrong for him, I think that tackle's really derailed his career. He's lost a bit of pace on that injury, um, and it's just been a downward spiral really. Um, and it's a shame because there was a potentially a good player in there. I just think he lacks confidence, if anything, which is a bit bizarre because I didn't think Jones was the sort of player that was lacking confidence he never seemed to in the past, but he definitely does lack confidence now. And he does feel it from the crowd and, and, and the home crowd and support, you can tell. I probably about that though, I think Wingers in particular like to be playing week, week every week. Um if they're in a team then they don't make as much of an impact. So um the goals is a big concern for Comodic because Armstrong obviously has been his first half of the season before the World Cup really good, scoring plenty of goals. Aside from that, though, I think your next top scorer is maybe Ash Taylor. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at, I mean, we're strongest at set pieces. I think if I'm right in saying it's something like 54% of our goals come from set pieces um, and defenders. So you've got like um, Armstrong, like you mentioned there, who's got six league goals, four assists. Um, and then you've got Ash Taylor on four goals, two assists, Joe Wright on four goals. You know, so two of our centre backs who would play pretty much week in, week out, eight goals between them. You know, bloody hell, we'd be lucky if our strikers, I think Scott Robinson, who's only just come in um, after a long layoff, he's got a couple of goals and that's it. Um, Doyle just got one, which he scored uh, last month. Um, Vassal scored in the cup, yet to score in the league. He's not a goal scorer, he's a runner. He'll run the channels, does it really well, holds up the play well. He's just not a finisher. Um, we need someone that's a natural finisher, like a Chris Boyd. He's not going to do the channels, not going to do the hard yards, but you know he knows that where the box is and he knows where the goal. Sorry, he knows where the goal is when he's in the box, and that's what you need. Um, and and someone with a bit of pace, really, like like a Brophy type player or someone that's got a bit of intelligence that can give us 
something extra, but we've not had that. Uh, to be honest, Kyle Lafferty was starting to get in some kind of form. He scored against Hearts. I know it was a daft mistake, a bit like the St. Johnston goal at Dundee United, you know, closed down Gordon, got the goal. Um, but he was good. He was playing alongside Armstrong and Jones at a certain point and putting a lot of pressure on. And that, them three looked quite good. And then he got that ban. And it just makes me wonder, like, if Lafferty didn't have that ban, would the season be slightly different? I think, yes, it would be. Um, I don't want to concern you any further, but when I was looking uh, prior to this podcast, I was looking at what matches all the teams had prior to the split. Um, you've got, I think, five out of the top six play before the split. Yeah. So the toughest run in, definitely. I'm not. I'm not worried about the home games. Um, okay, the only ones I'm worried about, obviously, away. The away form's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's disgusting. Two points <laughs> all season, five goals. It's just not acceptable at any level. Doesn't matter what level you play at. Um, so me away. The away form worries me. But we're at home. Um, against Hearts and Johnston. To me, we were two 0 up against Hearts earlier on in the season. Uh, chucked it away. Um. You know, you looked at Motherwell, we pretty much dominated Motherwell for the first half and they beat Hearts. Hearts away from, or Hearts defence, should I say, isn't really, I would say, as strong as it was last season. So in terms of the Hearts and St. Johnston games, I see winnable games there if we play a good game. Obviously, Celtic at home, you know, you'll write that one off. But at the end of the day, we have played better against Celtic in the semi-final game especially. Um, and you just don't know. I remember, I remember Ross County beating Celtic back end of a, uh, a couple of seasons ago when they were down the bottom. I think one nil. Uh, I think it might be when Neil Lennon was in charge, you know, and, and you know that was an unexpected result. You just don't know in football. Um, football's not written on paper. Yes, it looks it looks difficult, um, but whilst you got teams around you, there's always hope. Aye, no, definitely, and that's a thing that's so tight at the moment. Um, obviously, Motherwell. Uh, we spoke about them earlier. Seven points from nine since Kettlewell came in. Um, Ross, obviously, you know Kettlewell well. <laughs> um, are you surprised at how well he's done so far with Motherwell, considering how bad Motherwell looked prior to him coming in? Yes, because how bad they looked. But he done a he done a, de- a pretty good job with County. Um, you know, he was chucked in when Owen Coyle was left the club. Um, was couldn't keep us up, but we were pretty much down. It was it was an impossible job. Um, took us back up from the championship first time of asking. Won the um, Iron Brew Cup at the time, the Challenge Cup, whatever you want to call it. Um, first season in the Premiership, survived. Obviously, that was the, the season where it was cut short due to COVID. Um, it would have been interesting to see if that season had kind of gone on, how the season would have ended, because we were on... It, it was looking a bit sketchy towards the end of the season mm-hmm. um, but the season got stopped that was fine and then in the summer um, the the co-manager him, him, uh, Ketz and Stephen Ferguson uh, Fergie became, became the chief executive Ketz was put solely in charge had a good start to the season uh, first couple of games beat Motherwell and beat Hamilton um, and then kind of a couple of decent results like sort of 1-1-0 at Derby Park and then it was kind of starting to look a bit, form was starting to drop. 1-2-0 at Settler Park in the League Cup. 
and probably kept him in the job for a, a, a couple of weeks, a few weeks. Um, and then obviously the, he lost his job, I think, pretty quickly after the we lost 2-0 at home to Hamilton in a relegation six-pointer. Um, I, 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 I like Kets. Kets is a club legend for Ross County on the pitch as a player and as a manager for you know, taking us back to the Premiership first time of asking him. Mean, we've seen how many teams have gone down into the Championship and, and not managed to come back up for the first time. Yeah. You know, it, ha- it happens. It's happening more often than not now. Um, I think your two so, clubs are the only two that have, County and Kelly. They're the only two, certainly, got, recent yeah. times. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's much bigger clubs than the two of ourselves that, you know, have been down there for two, three, four years. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm glad Kett's got a good job. I think it was it was interesting the time he was taken out of coaching because I thought he might have you know jumped at the chance to maybe go to like a Falkirk or a Dunfermline at the time. Um, but uh, no, the well the original Motherwell kind of like development team was was their own. That was a, a great role for him. I mean, he won the um, under twenty ones league with Ross County in his first role at the at the club, um, and then obviously whatever happened with Hamill. He couldn't couldn't affect that. So then get chucked in and get seven points out of nines, pretty good going. So um yeah, I'm hoping it's it's not going to be ten points out of twelve at the weekend and we can maybe end <laughs> that run. But um yeah, we'll see. I think he comes across very well in the media as well when he speaks. And the experience yeah. that he's had at Ross County will definitely help him. Uh, yeah, Art Motherwell. Even yeah. that interview he did when he was effectively he'd just been let go at Ross County. I remember that interview where he basically said, you know, I've been fired and still fronted up into this media yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, that showed a lot of his character, his personality. You know, um, a lot of managers wouldn't have done that. A lot of managers would have left or, you know, just taken a back seat, not not done that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Kets. I, I want him to do well, but, you know, not at the expense of County at the same time. So, so yeah. Um, if you look at their fixtures as well that they've got left, they've got, apart from yourselves on uh, the weekend, I think it's only Dundee United out of the bottom six. So they've got a pretty tough run in as well. Um, in terms of they've got to play yourselves, then Rangers at home, Hibs away, Lovey at home, Dundee United at home, Sables away. I'm forgetting Lovey on the win there. Lovey in the bottom half, I think. Yeah, the seventh. They dropped seventh in the after weekend. After that after that yeah, after that yeah. yeah. Um, and Martin, obviously, you touched on earlier about the, the strike force. I mean, playing against Van Veen and Obika, that's going to be a defender's nightmare. Yeah, the, the the I mean Van Veen's a sort of player though that if you wind them up he'll lose his head. So you know if you're a sort of I mean he he you could see him when we were winning one nil starting to lose his head he got booked. Um and he's that type of player to be fair. Um plays on the edge. He's a good player. Um got a good shot on him. And like I say, Abik is a very good hold up player. Um will battle for the ball and they certainly both give our um. Defenders are a tough ride in the second half. And to be fair to us, you know, considering we've got this, I think the third worst defence in the league, um, I thought we we held out really well against them. Um, and it was quite pleasing. But, you know, as mentioned, it's just all in flat just at the final hurdle there. Yeah. Um, obviously, Andy, we spoke earlier about managerial bounces and reactions and third time lucky. So the latest news, obviously, and some rumours seem to suggest that Wednesday, um, Craig Levine will return to his first job since 2019. Happy about that, if that's the case. 
Um, yes, and I don't. Yeah. I think I might be a, a lot of people might raise eyebrows at that. Obviously, given is is you know the, the Scotland situation, and then obviously what happened at, at Hearts, or certainly how it ended at Hearts. Um, and there is a danger potentially. You know, it was a long time ago he came in at Dundee United. He came in in October two thousand and six. You're talking sixteen and a half years, so it's a long, long time. And there's a danger in football of going going back. There's very few examples I can think of where someone does better second time round than first time round. Um, but the whole atmosphere around the club at the moment has been absolutely toxic, frankly. At the St. Johnston game at the end, there was real anger shown towards the sporting director about the situation that we're in. And also the players, frankly, and Levitt, when he scored the equaliser, St. Johnston cupped his ears um, to the supporters. Um, which I felt was quite interesting. And and there's real, I think the owners who were over last week were probably taken aback at the level of anger. They've been perhaps shielded from that in Minnesota and saw it firsthand. Apparently there was kind of ask or out signs outside the hotel they were staying at for the duration of the week. They had to do the AGM where there was a few dozen kind of folk outside causing a bit of, you know, making clear their displeasure at the situation. And then obviously the Ross County performance and the manner of the performance particularly um, would have made them realise that the action had to be taken but in terms of Levine coming in he's going to be someone that's going to evoke good memories for Dundee United fans so I think that's an immediate lift for the the support Um, he's a guy that um, you know did really well the first time round and he's going to fight your corner we, we used to do really well with our backs to the wall. He had a great record against the old firm. I was looking it up earlier. We, um, we played the old firm 24 times under him and we picked up, we only lost 10 of them. So essentially 60% of the time we didn't lose, um, which is a really good record against the old firm. Um, he also had a bit of the, the kind of touch over G- um, Jimmy Calderwood at Aberdeen, won a kind of few kind of big games uh, at Tanadice against him. I appreciate we're going back a long way, but for him, I think he probably thought he was not going to get this opportunity again. Um, he'd been out of action, as you see, from the, the management game for in excess of three years. Um, he's 58 now, and I think he probably fancies this. Like a, a lot of people said, well, who's going to take that job and what a relegation on their CV? I suspect Levine isn't bothered about that now because his CV isn't of no real concern to him going forward. Um, and I think he's probably likely to be up for the challenge. And the fact that I... Ascar has left um, because Levine had previously said he would not go in with Ascar working there, albeit I did wonder if that could work for a short period because, frankly, United's only remit is to try and finish 11th and win the playoff or preferably 10th or above. Um, the only remit is to try and stay in the league. That dictates everything for them. Um, but the fact that Ascar's gone, Levine has obviously done the sporting director role at Hearts before, and who knows, maybe that may be the potential person to you know, manage till the end of the season, step back, potentially someone stepping in. But Frankly, United don't need to think any further ahead than the end of the season. What they need is they need someone to go in. And John, you were talking about the fixture lists for the other clubs. United have an, an okay run into to the to the split. And then after the split, they're actually due Ross County, Motherwell and Kilmarnock all back at Tanadice after the split. The only difficulty is that will lead to an imbalance because it, they'll have had 17, 17 home games already. So I suspect they'll have to go back to one of those grounds for a third time post-split. Certainly from my point of view, I hope it's not Kilmarnock because Kilmarnock have the best home record of, of those sides and United have, have done quite poorly down at Rugby Park. Um, so I would um, much prefer a third visit to either Motherwell or to Ross County. Yeah, and you've got a, I mean, a good one to start for if Olivia is in charge uh, by the end of this week. Aberdeen's away record is woeful, so 
and obviously you know what happened the last time. <laughs> and well, United have a, United, the only team United have beaten, uh, I think, at three o'clock on a Saturday this season is the University of Stirling. All the other games have been at alternate <laughs> kickoff time. So, so fortunately, it's a six o'clock one again with that. Yeah, exactly. And actually, although United have been poor, it's probably a good selection of fans we've got on the call for, for knowing what can happen when it clicks for United because United have been really, really poor this season and have actually lost 18 of the 19 games where they've gone behind. So there's a real weak mental weakness to the side. They've also lost more points in stoppage time than anyone in the league. But when things go well and they get a bit of swagger and McGran Levitt get a bit of confidence in the middle of the park, they beat Aberdeen 4-0, they beat Comarnock 4-0, they beat Ross County 3-0 at Christmas. They were a bit jammy, particularly in the county one at 3-0 at Christmas was, was a, not really a reflection. But those are three big wins. And when things are going well, that kind of confidence and swagger claim, because I think the general conception is that you know, at the start of the season, a lot of people actually tipped United's potential dark horses for a run at third. Um, how wrong that has proven to be the case, because there's glaring holes. They've only signed some good marquee players, you know, Levitt, McGrath, Stephen Fletcher, um, BX turned out to be a good player in Australia and did very well at the World Cup. There's gaping holes. There's not a central defensive midfielder. There's no backup to Fletcher up front. The goalkeeping situation is a disaster. And Charlie Mulgrew at the weekend, um, I think the evidence is pretty clear that he should probably retire as a player because he was an absolute disaster versus Ross County. And Ryan Edwards, the club captain, um, although he said the worst accusation that could be thrown at you is that you've chucked it as a professional footballer. Well, the evidence was, to me, watching him. And I get the point that chucking it doesn't mean you... you you know, you should, fans may want you to fly into tackles or whatever. That's not showing commitment. But Edwards effectively jogged back at the third goal to let Jordan White, you know, head that in. That was something that should have been cut out all day long um, by him. And the, 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 there's real gaps in that side, despite the kind of marquee signings. Um, but my view is, is there is definitely a chance to get out of it. I think we've probably got the best fixture list running into the split. Um, but the, the difficulty is, is we need an immediate turnaround. Um, we need something to happen. It, well, we've got 12 games and four points to make up. And I always think it's quite serious when you're three points or more behind because you need two weeks of good results to flip it over. When you're within three points, it always feels like you, you can turn it over straight away. But there's that element of being detached when it gets to more than three points. So United need to ensure um, that they get that gap closed as soon as possible. Ah, it's interesting. Home difference as well could kind of come into play. And what you're at, minus 22. Yeah, well, I'm, minus 25. Yeah. Ross County, minus yeah, I mean, 17. Motherwell, minus well, 8. Ross County an eight goal swing. I mean, it's incredibly United's goal difference is okay considering they got beaten 9 0 by Celtic. And it's actually better than Kilmarnock's and, and was better than Ross County's until the weekend. Um, but um, they've obviously it's taken a dent. And as you say, with things as tight as they are at the bottom of the league, that could be absolutely crucial for, for, for either 12th or potentially 11th. I don't know if you've seen the championship result tonight, but interestingly, Partick Thistle won up at, at Dens 3-1, or were 3-1 up when I last checked, going in stoppage time. Um, so Queen's Park are now four points clear at the top of the championship. Um, and who knows who will be the side to play in the playoff coming up from the championship for the side that finishes 11th. There's a few United fans that I think partially tongue-in-cheek, but also genuinely have said they'd rather go down in 12th and have to play Dundee in 11th place the same way that I think a few Hibs fans wish they'd lost the 2012 Scottish Cup semi-final to Aberdeen and let Aberdeen and go go and play Hearts um, rather than of course suffer that 5-1 humiliation that, that followed you'd have a similar situation Martin with Kowarik and Ayr <laughs> oh, I've, I've said to the point that um, 
if if it happens and we lost in a playoff situation to air, I think I'm done with football. My relationship is over. I will be taking up tennis. I'll be taking up rugby. Might even take up knitting on a Saturday. You name it. I'm gonna find a new hobby. I uh, I think in terms of Ross County, I think they should be all right in terms of Inverness. But I don't see them getting in the playoff match now. No, they've got to worry about a potential League One playoff rather than a Premiership playoff just now. <laughs> can, I just point that's a <laughs> can, I, can I just point out something there, John? You mentioned we're talking about like, um, sort of, well, going about the fixtures and all that. It's quite interesting. How Andrew pointed on, you know, you've had a sort of favourable list of fixtures coming up. Like, not so long ago, come on, we were looking at our fixtures, thinking what a good run of fixtures we've got coming up um, that are winnable. And, you know, you always judge on how many points you can get. And it just doesn't always pan out that way. I mean, you know, even Dundee United, you're probably thinking St. Johnston at home. That is a winnable game. Um, so, you know, going back to what you're saying about the toughest fixture list, um, it's coming near the end of the season. So there may be some teams that are going off the boil that have maybe secured their position come the split. Um, St. Mirren are probably going to be having something to play for in the last game away. Um, when we play him, but I just feel as though um, I said this the other week. I said we haven't won away all season, but we can't go a season without winning away. And we've got Rangers away this weekend. Now, for me, we played um, earlier on in the season was a two 0 defeat. But when we played Rangers in the home game, even though we were down to ten men for half an hour, we nearly gave them a scare at the end and come back and drew three each. For me, Rangers, when you look at their results since Beal's come in, they've been poor defensively compared to when they were under Van Bronckhorst in the league. They've been conceding more goals. Um, yes, they've been attacking and scoring more but and winning games, but they've only been winning 3-2, 2-1. You know, Ross County went there the other week, gave them a good game. Dundee United, narrow 1-0 defeat. Gives me confidence that we could go there and if we play the right team and right formation, there's no reason why we can't go there and get something. Uh, I know it sounds dark as our away form's ridiculous, but it wouldn't surprise me if Kilmana just turned up on Saturday and won. Would not surprise me. That's confident. I, know, I, know, I know it sounds no, and, and it's not it's it's not that I think it will happen. I think we'll lose, but at the same point, it's this time of season now where it just would not surprise me one bit. You know, there's teams in the league in the in the League Cups that are gonna like part it fissile and giving it a good go. And I just think that Kilmarnock just need to go and attack them. Don't be afraid to stand back. Just go and attack them. I'd rather lose, you know, a defensive crap anyway. I'd rather go and lose 4-1, 4-2 and give them a good go than rather than just sit back and watch us get hammered for twenty for 90 minutes and lose 2-0. You know, I'd rather go and give them a good game. I think, unfortunately, I, I think the point is you not see that happening. I see all very unlikely I don't, I, oh no no I don't, I don't think it'll happen but it, at the same point football's a funny game funny old game you know you just don't know what could happen um, yeah it's, it's true but and but, but I, do, I do think that Beal's under pressure at Rangers as well after the, the League Cup final rightly or wrongly um, so they you know they, they will be really keen to win all their games right up to the split despite there being you know probably an insurmountable gap at the top of the league um, and it's definitely to Ross, uh, Ross County and United only have to play one half of the old firm. Kilmarnock and Mother will have to play both halves of the old firm. United also have a game. And maybe I'm being the optimist here. I'm, try, I'm trying to find something now that we're four points behind to cling on to. But 
it's, it, you know, United and County only having to play one half is, is, is unquestionably on paper more favourable than having to play both half. But I take your point, Martin, that, that, that it doesn't mean on paper. Who would have thought St Mirren would have beaten Celtic 2-0 earlier in the season, you know? so Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, mean, I just look that uh, James Tavernier especially, when he goes forward, Danny Armstrong plays on the right side of Barisic. For me, if I'm McInnes, I'm playing Danny Armstrong on the left-hand side to exploit Tavernier because... Danny Armstrong loses a lot of possession, but he also wins the most possession. He's outside the old firm, the most creative player on uh, the left wing on the on the wingers this season. I've looked at, um, and you know, for me, Danny Armstrong, he's created the most chances, but we've also most we've we've one of the teams that missed the biggest chances as well, which obviously our goal scoring record speaks for itself. But I just the think the game at Rugby Park against us, Martin, being the case in point. I don't know if you, were, I think you were at that. You know, third to the Luke yeah, Cain yeah. assist. But I mean, Kamarnik should have been out of sight that night. I mean, well, United obviously missed the penalty, which was a big momentum swing. Great goal from Chambers into Danny Armstrong. Brilliant goal. And then for, from about the 40th minute to about the 75th minute, Kilmarnock really should have scored at least oh, enough. Right. They didn't. And as a result, the last 15 minutes, United actually had a couple of reasonable chances to, to get a point. It would have been a smash and grab, frankly, but it was because Kilmarnock, and particularly Dodge, was, was guilty of not taking yeah. you know clear-cut chances. Um, and that gave United a, a sniff and, and you could see the nervousness in the Kilmarnock side uh, and they could have quite easily thrown away a point when they should have won that game. Yeah, there's, there's been many times this season that that has happened and that's our biggest Achilles heel is we've not finished chances when we're in the winning ascendancy. So, I mean, we nearly chucked it away against St Johnston earlier on in the season. We were 2-1 up, they scored last minute. Aberdeen, 2-0 up, scored last minute. Could have, you know, putting pressure on ourselves. I mean, Aberdeen was like the Dundee United game at home just before, just after Christmas. We were absolutely dominated that game. We should have been about 4-0 up at half-time. Aberdeen were going for a terrible run. They've picked it up again recently. But, you know, John, yourself, you're an Aberdeen fan, you'll know how bad Aberdeen were at that point. And we really haven't taken advantage of those games. And it's a bit like, Andrew, you were saying about how you've had those big wins. But we have, we've, we've, whenever we've won, it's 1 0 home to Ross County, 1 0 at home to Dundee United, you know, 1 0 at home to Hibs. We're just, and every time we're clinging on, um, you know, it's, we've, I, I'm trying to think of a game we've won this season by more than one goal. Um, I don't think that we have 2 1 against St Johnston, but, you know, it's, it's annoying hearts 2 0 up and we, we, we threw it away in the last minute. And, and a Motherwell 1 0 drew one all. It just invites the pressure um, when you don't finish your chances. And for me, I'm looking at the table and on Saturday and I, I think back to, doesn't matter about any of the other games this season, I just look back to the Motherwell game where we've conceded and then that Hearts game. That's four points there. That puts us on 28 points. You know, eight points clear of the bottom and, you know, four points clear um, of second. And that... It, that could be a big difference come the end of the season. Um, I'd be interested to hear what you all think in terms of what do you think the magic number is to finish 10th this season? Because with it being so yeah. tight, we, yeah. I'm assuming no one else is going to be in the mix. That's why we kind of went for these four teams. I, I don't think any of our teams can get dragged into it now. Um, Absolutely not. Good, but I, I, I just can't see it because so many, there's four teams in the mix and yeah. for them all to get However many points based on their form, 
this year, if you look at the calendar year, Dundee United have got four points. Things could change. Kilmarnock have got five points. Counting Murrayville picked up a wee bit, they've got nine points. Um, both of them. So, since the league went to 12 teams in this format in, in 2000-2001, the most amount of points finished bottom is Cali in 2008 or nine. Uh, with 37 points, so just under a point a game. So for me, United have 20 points at the moment and, and they need to get, in my, I mean, if you want to put a number on it, which I was trying to do, I feel we need 18 points in the last 12 games, which is probably quite ambitious, you know. But I mean, um, there will be a lot of cutting each other's throats in there as well, particularly once you get kind of post-split. Um, but for me, I think 18 points would be the kind of target number, which is kind of five wins, three draws and four defeats they've got to go to Ibrox so you probably instantly put that in the, without being too defeatist in the defeats pile so you need 5-3-3 from the other games which is which is pretty challenging given they've won five of their, their opening 26 games but teams do often go on runs at, at the end of the season um, in terms of the number to to get above uh, you know to finish 10th in the, in the completely secure position it's difficult at the moment but you would probably be looking towards more than Kind of forty point mark to be absolutely sure of that. I don't. It's it's unusual, certainly for eleventh to be forty and above. Um, so that's the kind of numbers that that I'm kind of looking at. But the, the thing is, is th- it does give me confidence that there's four teams down there. If there was only kind of two teams, then you know there's a rain- danger that one of those goes on a run and you you kind of get, you have to keep up with them. Um, and it always bugs me when sports go, oh, just worry about our own results because we have no control of our own results. The same way we have no control of our team's results. It's just as relevant, frankly, what the teams around us do. Now, obviously, you want to see your own team winning, but at this stage of the season particularly, it's just as relevant what is going on in the other team's games because if, if one of the four sides goes on a run like United have and loses six in a row, then they are likely to be cut, you know, cut adrift type thing so you know that's really relevant you know it's we're really I think all each of the four sides are hoping that one of the other four goes on a dreadful run or in United's case their dreadful run continues Aye and that's where I like a game like on uh, the weekend Motherwell against Ross County is massive like, folk don't like to call since six point games but I mean if Motherwell to win you would always say Motherwell were not far off being safe whereas obviously if County can win and what results go other way, come on and go in the uh, Ibrits, Dundee United playing Aberdeen. You could be talking about maybe being seven points clear of Dundee United. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so important, our result of the weekend, that we've got a platform to build on uh, going forward, especially going into Saturday against Motherwell. And, you know, you guys touched on the the rest of the fixtures up until the split. Um, I mean, we've after that, we've got Livingston away, Celtic at home, St Johnston away, Aberdeen at home, and Hearts away. So it's 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 not the worst run, but it could def- it could definitely be a lot kinder to us. But you know we've already gone to Livingston and won this season. A bit of luck on our sides uh, for that one. Celtic, we've given them a bit of a scare twice, both at home and away. Okay, we've ended up on the losing side inevitably, but played well in both games. Um, St Johnston away. Uh, it was a pretty scrappy game down in McDermott. Um, point was probably deserved between the two teams. And then uh, the game of Dingwall was the first game back after the, the World Cup break. And up until Jack Baldwin's red card, it looked like it was going to be a pretty routine three points for County. Um, Aberdeen at home. Um, both games have been draws this season. Um, one in Dingwall was a, a last gasp equaliser. So with Aberdeen's away form, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, and Hearts is hearts away as well. Played hearts off the park the opening day of the season in the first 45 minutes. Probably unlucky not to be one or two nil up. 
Um, lost the game eventually, and then the same same in Dingwall as well. We played pretty well that day and felt pretty unlucky just to to come away with nothing as well. So, you know, there's um, we can look back on recent performances against these teams coming up and think, you know, we've we've given them a scare before and picked up points against them before. So why can't we do it again with a better squad and improved squad and improved confidence and form? So um, yeah, Saturday was really. Saturday pass was really important. This upcoming Saturday is just as important. And then, yeah, we'll see where we kind of go from there. So, aye. Now, one thing as well that's interesting, we don't see it as much now as strike partnerships. So, you've obviously got a partnership now with Brophy and White. Is Brophy helping White as much as White's helping Brophy? Because Brophy, I've always yeah. thought, um, is better than a two. Like having him playing up front by himself, he'll run and all that type of thing. But Martin will testify when he was at Command playing with Stuart, that was his best part of his career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, since he's come in, it, it has just been the two of um, Brophy and White, apart from the, the game at Simmer where he can play because of the, the loan ineligibility. So um, they've both they've both been really good to, for each other. Um, Jordan White got a lot of stick, I think, start of the season and even last season as well, because it's the usual, um, you know, he's a striker. We need a striker that's going to get us double digits in a season. And if he only gets four or five, then, you know, that's he's not doing his job properly. But Jordan's work rate off the ball and his hold-up play um, was really quite vital to us last season, especially with Charles Cook and Hungbo either side of him. He was the kind of, you know, the, the closest comparison I can get to at the time was probably the, the Mane-Salah-Firmino trio at Liverpool, where mm-hmm. Firmino wasn't getting the goals, whereas Mane and Salah were, they were getting all the headlines, but you know, uh, Firmino was kind of the doing all the dirty work off the ball or, or the hold-up play. So um, that was the case last season. Then coming into this season, he was doing the same thing, but we just weren't getting the bodies around him. Um, obviously, Charles Cook and Hungbo had left or gone back to the parent club in the case of Hungbo. Um, and our players that had come in, likes of Abuda Edwards, William Macchio, Kazim Alabi, there was just, there wasn't the same understanding there. So um, Jordan was doing was great holding the ball up, flicking balls around the corner, but there was no runners off the ball. There was no support to him. So to then change the, the shape just after, well, it was just before the the World Cup break, we changed to the 3-5-2 and it, it worked really well. That's when we picked up the wins against Simeon and Hibbs. And that's when Jordan was kind of playing as a, as a two with either Jordi Hula and then for the Hibbs game, he was kind of, he had Danda very close to him, but he was still playing that kind of lone striker role, but we were still getting bodies around him. We then reverted away from that after the, the World Cup, after the St. Johnston game, and went back to the kind of a four at the back with Jordan up front and on his own. And it was just the same problems. He was isolated. We weren't getting the runners in the behind or around him. Um, and then since Brophy's come in and that Kilmarnock game, um, that's when we went back to this kind of 3-5-2. And the, the partnership's just, it's been great for both of them. I mean, the, the third goal, especially the link up play um, between the two of them, that's a testament to what you want from a strike partnership. So they're going to be good good for each other and having the options off the bench of likes of a Simon Murray who can come in there and add something different. Definitely. You know, I've touched on Jordi Hawula. You know, there's Alex Samuel coming back from an ACL injury as well. He's done really he's done really well since he's come back in. Malky spoke about potentially sending him out on bone to give him some games kind of towards the end of the season, but he's he's played himself back into his, uh, Malky's plans. Um Josh Stones as well looks looks like a, a could be a a very decent signing as well. Um, full of energy, strong. He'll add. There's options there. There's options up front. 
to whatever partnership we want to play. And I think they've all got their strengths and weaknesses. And it's just about finding the right combination. And right now it's it's Brophy and White without a shadow of a doubt. And it's it's really interesting the goals that have been added to County because I saw County just between Christmas at Tanadice and uh, you know that night of all United won 3 0. That was not a reflection because there was two latish goals for United. And frankly, the fact United were one up in the first half was down to Ross County being totally profligate. And one of my best mates is a Livingston fan who went up to Dingwall for the game that they won 2 0 recently. It's unfortunate having a mate that's a Livy fan considering how well they've done since 2018. But he was saying that, that County were excellent against Livingston, but just didn't have the ability to put away any chances. Um, and that was reflected, I guess, and you were by far the you scored the few goals in the league until relatively recently, but obviously yep. four at the weekend. And then when you're talking about White, Brophy, and then the option of the top scorer in the championship, Simon Murray off the bench. You know, that's real options when United, in comparison, have, have let Tony Watt go. We've got Stephen Fletcher, who's not really a goal scorer. Uh, and then beyond that, fortunately, the only silver lining to come out of that absolute thumping in Dingwall at the weekend was that Glenn Middleton came back because the press had reported he was going to be out for between four to six weeks. And thank goodness United at least have some other option up front. But, you know, we really are lacking compared to those options that County have up front. And I think that, I mean, I, I'm interested, Martin, in terms of what you think of, you know, obviously Kilmarnock letting go of, we kind of touched on it earlier, of, of Lafferty and Shaw, but with, you know, Vassell coming in and, and Danny Armstrong's providing goals, albeit from a, a slightly deeper role, and Motherwell look as if they've got goal-scoring options as well. And that, for me, is the biggest concern for United. They've lost six in a row, but they've only scored two goals out of those six games. And that is where I think United could be in real difficulty is when you, the goals dry up, then you're in real trouble. Yeah, I've touched on our goals already. It is a worry. Um, I mean, obviously, we kind of keep relying on our centre. I mean, yeah, we are really strong from set pieces. We nearly scored a second after the first one. Um, Robinson's only played like 11 games. He's got a couple of goals. So in comparison for ratio-wise, you know, he's, if he, he's, he's probably our most likely goal scorer out there. Three of them. I remember Sat- having a good season at Lovey, Coastal and Wise. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a good player. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a clever player. He's just been unfortunate with injuries. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's very good in, in what he does in and around the box. I like him just sort of playing maybe behind, just in that, in between the middle, uh, in, in between the midfield and linking up. He's good at linking up the play and just playing off as like a number 10. Um, but we do need someone that can just finish. Now, for me, Doidge. You know, he just doesn't have that confidence that that he just seems to be missing something. That I, I remember watching him for Hibs. I think they thumped. No, no, it wasn't the thump. They, they drew with Celtic to each. I remember him running clear and smashing a goal in and thinking, I remember that. That was the type of doge I remember. Whereas now he just like doesn't have that same sort of that sort of that yard. Like say he's lost that yard of pace. Is that injury, yeah. Yeah, just and it's just unfortunate, really, because he was a good goal scorer down in England. I, I remember, you know, at Forest Green, he was really good. And um, obviously, being a Shrewsbury fan, I remember sort of what he was like down there. He was, yeah, you know, we there was teams chasing him because he was he was good in the box. But yeah, it's just annoying. I mean, for me, you just don't get the luck when you're down the bottom. And I, I touch on, um, I, I wasn't going to touch on it, but you know, the Hibs game where Vassal gets sent off for me. You know, that really was a blow. I was at the Hibs game and I thought that the ref was going to overturn it. Um, 
it, you know, it wasn't it was going to take the fat yellow away, and then he decided to bizarrely pull the red card out, um, to which just the mind boggles still on that decision. But then what infuriated me more was Doidge was running through in the first half, and it just sums up Scottish refereeing. He gets booted in the face. His nose is pissing the blood. He's have to be taken off, and it's not even looked at. And I, I don't think it's a red card, but it's just inconsistency that that's not given. And it's it's decisions like that that really go against teams at the bottom. Um, you know, I guess just... you were two 0 down at that point. I kind of you know when Vassell said, "I agree, it wasn't a red card." Um, but you uh, you know my view certainly was is they were likely to lose the game. But the bigger blow is probably the suspension for the next game. That's yeah, the, yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm on because it's, yeah. it's 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 not it's not just because when he first came in, he his first three games was two games against Celtic and one against Rangers, and straight away the energy he gave up front, the extra sort of oxygen he gave up front, you know, to really sort of chase the game down. And we're really going to miss that at Ibrox, like on Saturday. Um, and again, that's you know, it's just it just doesn't seem to be going our way at the minute. And we're lacking the strikers already. It, it, all it takes is for someone to get an injury, um, and we really are screwed. And we're left with Bobby Wales up front, you know, um, a young boy. But at the same point, you know, it may be an opportunity, you know, for someone that's untested and young to maybe get the opportunity and you know I don't know it's it's just, it's there's no point moaning about it now the transfer window was done and it's it's gone by it was a, it was an absolute car crash um you look at Ross County's transfer window you look at Motherwell's transfer window they're ninth and tenth you look at Kilmarnock's you look at Dundee United's we're 11th and 12th it's 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 not hard it's not rocket science um just yeah, so just on just on Vassell, I actually thought Vassell was actually quite good and did well. I was quite impressed with him. He was a real handful, you know, Martin. You said there is um, the energy that he brings up front. I I thought he caused the the county back three that day quite a few problems. And you know, I see, I seen a few comments, you know, kind of saying, oh well, he's not, you know, he's doing really, really well up front, but he's not he's not scoring. But it was just kind of getting that match fitness into him, the sharpness. And I I actually I was impressed with him. I was kind of a little bit worried almost thinking, well, if, if he gets fit and he grabs a couple of goals and he's playing with confidence, you know, you've potentially got someone there. Um, but when you're talking about injuries, I think potentially because of the lack of business that they, they, they've done, I think Kamarnik are one Danny Armstrong injury away from big trouble. Oh, wow. And I think Dundee United are one Stephen Fletcher injury away from big trouble. Because where's the... Where's the <laughs> You're not going to have a player of the same quality, but the options there aren't the same. There's no options. I mean, you know? thank God Glenn Middleton's injury is not too bad because otherwise yeah. it's, United have a 16-year-old kid, or he's 17 now, called Rory McLeod who's coming, who they think quite highly of. I mean, it's ridiculous. The decision yeah. to let Watt go is just utterly madness. It, it's, yeah. You know, Watt had only scored five or six goals right in a year, but he still gave United an option yeah. off the bench. And the only game he started since the World Cup was at the start of the year the United won one 0 at St Johnson because Watt scored a, the winning goal, a real good turn and spin with ten minutes to go turns a draw into a, a win. There's two extra points, and and Fletcher was ill that they couldn't play and we had Watt as a replacement. So I I get that Tony Watt's probably a really difficult guy to manage, but the decision to let him go without first bringing someone in is utter madness. It's yeah, the same I, as Lafferty though. That's exactly the same. Lafferty's a handful. 
same problem. He you got to bring someone in. You kind of just let them go. You know, they're better. I mean, he, he has brought stuff to. So for, for me, just answering your question, though, Ross, what you're saying there, Kilmarnock have got players in that squad, though. That's the problem. Um, as John will probably allude to, McInnes can be stubborn in his own ways. If he if he decides he doesn't like a player, or there's an attitude issue, then that's it. You 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 you're not in you're not involved. He'll put you on the bench, and he won't even bring you on. Um, Fraser Murray, he, he, he changed. Fraser Murray was a totally different player. Um, when McInnes came in in the championship last year, got injured at pre-season. And he's just not really been in the side. He's he's not been in at all. He's a an out and out winger. Um, you've got Jordan Jones, who arguably okay, he's nowhere near what he is, but he can come in for Armstrong, and you know maybe a run of games is what it needs. But the problem with the squad is, it's the tombola selection week in week out. It becomes an absolute laughing stock between Kilmarnock fans and probably oppositions. You know that people that know McInnes that he cannot get a settled side. I think there's only one, maybe twice a season, we've kept the same starting lineup. Um, and, you know, I allude back to the Hibs game. The, the Hibs game I was at, I'm looking at that bench. You've got Liam Polworth on the bench. You've got McEnroy, who was the standout player in the championship last year for United on the bench, who's not got a sniff. And when he does play, he plays left wing back. He's a centre midfielder. You've got Fraser Murray on the bench. You know, you've got good players on the bench and, you look at Ash Taylor was on the bench that game. You're playing Chris Stokes. I mean, the team selection some weeks is baffling. And for me, I'm looking at that Hibs lineup as an example away at Hibs. Chris Stokes, is he going to be a Premier League team next year? No, he's not. Blair Alston? No, he's not. Brad Lyons? No, he's not. The players on the bench? Yeah, they'll probably get a, a Premiership team, maybe. You know, you, you get Brad Lyons, he might end up in non league in England or something, maybe might go back to Ireland. They're, they're nowhere near premiership quality. Yet the team that is on, you know, the, the strong, that's the problem with McInnes. He just will not play the strongest team. Every fan can see it. And that's, that's McInnes. That's the problem at the minute is week on week. McInnes is losing his faith. McInnes came in last year. His job was simply to get us up by whatever way he means. And we did it. It was a crap. So it was a the squad is, it wasn't good. He had a lot of Tommy Wright duds, um, but he did what he needed to do. But he's le- losing his credibility week in, week out. And Kilmarnock fans are getting uh, to the point of losing faith now as to whether McInnes can turn it around. And for me, McInnes, if he keeps us up, he's got one transfer window to have a clean slate and bring his own side in. No more excuses, no more Tommy Wright this, Tommy, you know, no more the old sign-ins. He's got a clean slate and it's his window to to make a stamp on it and the pressure will be next season if we do stay up after a few games you know what will happen with that but I'm really worried Uh, like you said Ross I do believe that if there's an injury or another suspension like Armstrong did have uh, where he missed a crucial game um, we could be in real trouble and to be honest the way Motherwell are playing the way Ross County are playing and the signings they brought in I do see the table staying as it is. It's just whether we finish bottom or whether Dundee United uh, climb above. You know. Yeah, I am. Um, I think just you know you, you mentioned there about strength and depth of teams. You know, would you want? Uh, you know, you touched on them there. Uh, Bird Alston and a uh, Brad Lyons midfield going into a two-legged playoff final against 
whether it be Air, Dundee, no. Party Thistle, who, whoever it's going to be. Um, Andy, would you, if Fletcher does his hamstring with two games to go in the season, would you want 17-year-old Rory McLeod up front um, again in a two-legged playoff final against Dundee? You know, I mean, I, I, it's just, it, I don't know, it, just looking from the outside in, you know, okay, that's, you know, that's potentially planning for the worst, you know, but the, you know, kind of being able to bring in players. I would imagine United's budget is well, it will be bigger than counties, depending on whatever wages there are, whatever budget there is left from, you know, paying off Jack Ross, things, you know, all that in the background. Kilmarnock's as well will be bigger than counties. Um, I've heard that County have got the second smallest budget in the league and only Livingston is smaller. I don't know how accurate that is. Probably actually, I've had a little look. At com- the only yeah. clubs that don't publish accounts in Companies House are full ones are St Johnson and Livingston, but... County's last hour in 2021 was 3.13 million was their, their kind of squad budget. Whereas, um, you know, you're looking at kind of other clubs. United's wage budget last season was 5.88 million, nearly double that. Um, so, you know, that's United are not getting value for money. They're not getting bang yeah. for their buck. I mean, there was rumours that Tony Watts on like kind of like five, six, seven grand a week is absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's, it's interesting that. You know, I've mentioned those players there and, and the position you guys could be going into a playoff. If County were pulled into the playoff positions and we had to go into it with a front two of Jordan White and Simon Murray, that's fine. If Brophy picked up an injury, that would be the, the two options that we would have. I, I'd be comfortable with that. I'd be quite confident with that going into into the playoffs. I, I could be proven wrong. It could go It could go wrong. You know, there's better teams than this County team currently that have gone down in the playoffs. Excuse me, but I'd feel a lot more confident in the playoffs if it came to that, then probably either of yourselves would do. Yeah, no, I mean, there is certain positions I'm quite happy with, you know, like, we've got, say if we played two centre-backs, for example, you've got Lewis Mayo, Ash Taylor and Joe Wright, you know, Joe Wright's been probably our best signing this season. Um, the three of them can swap, but if we play, like, we start fanning around with formations and that, then that can just get a bit difficult, like, so, um, See, yeah, see I mean, on that quickly, Martin, can I just ask, what is your best formation, Jake? What's the best formation? A Kermarnik. I don't know. Is the honest know. answer. And Mikel's oh, no, 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 that's the thing. The fans are guessing week in, week out. Um, no one knows what the, the lineup is. No one understands why the decisions are made. Um, it, it's mind-baffling. You know, you look at some decisions and you just question, like, why is that happening? Um McInnes has a knack of like pulling at a result just as the fans are going to get on him. So I'll give you an example. So Dundee United, I'll allude back to that one as an example, but that could have basically been a melting point. And then he goes out and plays one of our best games of the season just after that terrible transfer window to give us breathing space. And he always seems to pull out a result, but we're just relying on our home form too much. And at home, we're great. And you know when we're playing at home? Apart from Celtic, even against Rangers, when we played that Rangers game at home, I had confidence of getting a result because it was at home and it was against Rangers and we've had a recent good record against them. Um, you know, but Celtic aside, no, but when it comes to away, you just the formation, I don't understand that. I don't you know, you look at the team and you're like, is that a four three two? You know, is that a sorry, three five two, is that a four four two? Is that a, you know, it's, you you're basically you know, you, I just don't understand it and it is really concerning. And I mean, 
most managers will have their squads. And yeah, beginning of the season, it's a bit like, you know, you're playing around with formations maybe, you know. But come a certain point in the season, you're going to have a settled side. You're going to have at least seven, eight players week in, week out, minus injuries and suspensions. And then players will come in because of form. But some weeks, I mean, Hibs, for example, I keep, I'll just give that as an example. This, this, you know, we we made five changes for the Motherwell game from the Hibs game. Five changes. You're changing half a team. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no chance for players to get a um, form, um, and then their confidence will drop. It's just there's too many changes, and it's been like that all season. And McInnes can talk about, you know, he hasn't got the players. He's he's not had the, you know, he talks about not getting the players in a transfer window. Why are we not getting the players in a transfer window? The recruitment has been poor for some time, and it doesn't lie down on McInnes. Um, this goes further than that. The boards, you know, coming out with a ridiculous statement in the summer after promotion, saying we've got this, the the the, the record transfer budget. Record transfer budget. What record transfer budget? And then you and then you look at the transfer budget, and all of a sudden we're not signing players. No disrespect to Ross County, but why are Ross County sending the players that they are, and we're not? He's just, you know, Ross has just mentioned that that Kilmarnock are, Kilmarnock are a bigger club than Ross County. Yeah. Um. But but why why are they not signing the players? Is it to do with the pitch? Is it you know? But then but then the question on the pitch is well well no we've signed players like Malumbo in the past recently recently and Greg Stewart really good players, so why can't we attract them now? Is it just because they, they don't like McInnes and his tactics? Is is it something to do with McInnes? Um, the way he treats his players. The amount of times this season there's been rumours flying around. Jordan Jones has fallen out. Uh, you know we've had Jack Sanders, who arguably is better than one or two of the defenders there, chucked out on loan in the Championship. He's been brought back and he's not even been played. The one thing I would say about McInnes, Aberdeen, he was regarded as being well liked. People like playing for him, so who knows what the situation is. Um, before we kind of wrap up, though, a couple of things. Um, I know actually all will come on next up. Hey, Martin. Right now, I, I think our, I think we will grab one away win at some point where it will be, and I think that will be enough along with our home form to let us finish eleventh. I don't think we'll finish bottom. Eleventh. Um, I know from speaking to you previously, Ross, you've been pretty confident. Um, Ross County, where will they finish? I think we'll stay up. Um, from what I've seen of the last two home games against Kilmarnock and United, I, th- I think we've we've got a better squad and we're playing with confidence. I hope hopefully we build on that. It could go could go downhill from here, but I think we've got good foundations in place to to build on from that. Um, I will say ninth. Ninth, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and Andy, yourself, like me. Yeah, I was, just, I, mean, I was just going to say Martin's comment about um, Kelly being a bigger club than County, maybe in terms of supporters. But I've looked at the kind of figures, and County have outspent Kelly in wage bills six of the last seven seasons. So, um, you know, County have, have a slightly bigger budget. That's kind of been proven kind of over a number of seasons. But um, in terms of where I think United will will go. <laughs> It's very difficult. I'm wrestling with the optimist in me, uh, but at the moment it's very difficult, particularly after the performance in Dingwall, to be terribly optimistic. And I think the, the real problem is 
your two key positions. We, 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 we now are bringing in a goalkeeper that's not played since May that we have to pin all hopes on. It's a total unknown quantity. I have no idea what this guy, Bill Hamid, will be like if we get the work permit in quickly because we had a, a fiasco when we went down in 2016 where we brought in a Japanese goalkeeper called Kawashima and we had to wait about two months for a work permit. We, we don't have that time. He needs to get the work permit to uh, ASAP. Um, and then up front, we're in a real difficulty in terms of our goals are not going to come from strikers. We're, we're going to need the midfielders. We're going to need McGrath, Levitt and, and Middleton who plays just off to step up and chip in with goals. So at the moment, um, I'm, I'm very concerned and, and I, I think United are the favourites to go down. They're four points adrift. They've got ground to make up and they've lost six games in a row. Um, so I think it's difficult to argue against United being the favourites to go down. That said, United have played with a bit of a swagger when things have gone their way. And if they can rediscover that and get a couple of you know good results, particularly at home. And, and, and I think it does the one factor in their favour that does favour us is post-split, the kind of crunch games being at home. The fact that County Kelly and Motherwell are all due back. I know that one of them will have to go to for a third t- time, but that, that's that got to be an advantage. But I think if you ask, if you pushed me, I think United will regrettably finish 12. 12, right, okay. And to wrap up the podcast, um, based on the four teams, I'm going to ask you, so if you could take a player from each of the other three teams... Who would they be and who would they replace in your starting lineup? So I'll start with Martin, just because you're at the top, top of our screen. So you take a player from Motherwell, a player from Dundee United, and a player from Ross County. All right, well, I'll start with Ross County. Take Deutsch out, put Brophy in, simple. Don't need to explain it. He's been okay. there, done it. Nice. Um, a player from Dundee United. So in the middle... A creative player. I've always liked him. Levitt. He's got something different about him. So I'd add him in. And from Motherwell. Who would Levitt play us in? Oh, what? For, for Levitt? Yeah. Um, tough one. Probably McKenzie. But then he. Yeah, McKenzie, because Polworth's really come onto the game and really been one of our best players. So yeah, probably McKenzie. And then. Motherwell. It's a hard one. I've got to be honest. I don't actually. I would probably say. I don't think he's overly brilliant, but he's a steady player. He's been around. He's experienced, and we haven't really had a solid right back. So probably Paul McGinn. Paul McGinn. Very cool. Um, Andy, the same question are you? Um, who would you take from the three teams? Who would they replace? So the we need a goalkeeper, right? So I don't know anything about Hamid. So on the basis, I think that the best goalkeeper at the, three, at the other three clubs is Liam Kelly at Murrow. So I think that Liam Kelly immediately comes in and uh, hopefully we never have to play Mark Benigetti again um, because he's been an absolute disaster. Um, then if you're looking, um, to, and, and so you obviously replace Benigetti, if you're looking at then who we bring in from Kilmarnock, I, Danny Armstrong is, um, has clearly been Kilmarnock's best player this season. Um, so who he would replace, I mean, he would, uh, I, I don't, it's probably not fair to say Rory McLeod because he's not really started games. So, so someone like a, a kind of Middleton he would probably come in for as well. Um, and then um, we obviously need a, a striker as well. Um, and it's interesting because each of Ross County's options, um, kind of White, uh, Murray and Brophy, um, are all very different types of players. Um, 
but for me, having, I suppose, fresh in the mind perhaps from the weekend and the fact that Eamon Brophy was looking back to his, his Kilmarnock form and his, his finish for the fourth goal um, was an absolute screamer. Um, I'm going to, to say uh, Eamon Brophy in, and it's difficult because we don't really have any other strikers to go out. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I would like to keep Fletcher, so I would probably put maybe someone like a Peter Paul out and a Eamon Brophy in. Paul has not been starting though, has he? Well, no, he's no. been injured. Okay, so if, if you're wanting, I suppose, a regular start, I mean, to, perhaps controversially, you know, McGrath's not done much, but I mean, Jume has been starting, he's been absolutely hopeless. Uh, you know, Jume has been signed because I kind of panicked. They needed to shore someone up in the middle of the pitch. United need a central defensive midfielder. If I'm being greedy and I can get a fourth player, and, you know, Mother will sign in Callum Butcher. Um, it's a really good, you know, signing in terms of a tough, hard man in the middle of the pitch. He left United under... Um, you know, kind of aspersions about kind of a, a bit of a falling out uh, with an ex-teammate, if you believe the kind of rumours there. And so was not welcome back at Tanadice. Uh, it was personal reasons, is what the club said he was left out for. Um, so he wasn't going to come back. And albeit that United player has since moved on. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's a great... Motherwell have brought in nine players. I mean, you, you've got to say they've had a real shot at trying to stay in the league by, you know, bringing in the volume of players they've brought in. Um, and I think there's a couple of hits in there that, that will really help them out. Great, just and it, um, and then Ross, what about yourself? Who would you take from each of the clubs? See, this uh, it's tough. Um, from Motherwell, it'd probably be it's a lad, Max Johnson. He's he was on loan at Cove. Uh, right, right back. Yeah, yeah. He's he's come back and he's he's slotted in really well. He was getting uh, tired for a move to Italy today, wasn't he? To yeah, yeah. So not Bologna. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. That's. <laughs> Um, highly rated player I would take in um, who would replace right now um, probably Connor Randall because that's the most like for like change there um, as a kind of I think uh, Johnson's more of a right back whereas Randall played can play right back or he played kind of right centre half of a three slash kind of a hybrid four on, on Saturday um, from Kilmarnock um Probably Lewis Mayo because we were in the, the rumours at the same time as Kamarik trying to make Mayo's move permanent. Um, I think County are half interested in trying to make a move for him in the summer. Um, that's assuming that uh, Alex Yakoviti goes, um, as he was only he only signed a one year extension in the summer, and Yakoviti can can have a pick of I think several clubs, whether it be in Scotland or. Or back down south, he's he's really improved next to Jack Baldwin. And I think the assumption is he'll move on um, this season. I mean, it was the assumption he would move on last season, and somehow we managed to keep him for an extra year, which was great. Um, and from Dundee United, um, it's it's. I, I don't want to sound bad saying this. It's really tough to choose after what I watched on Saturday. Um, I think individually as the best player in there and it's probably got the highest ceiling even though he was taken off at halftime it would probably be Levitt um, I mean I, I thought I thought Stephen Fletcher played really well for the service that he did get into him um, and he just think it, it was the same as what I alluded to with Jordan White he just didn't get the bodies around him there wasn't the movement he was, he was given very little in front of goal but when he was brought in to link the play, I thought he did quite well at that. But I think Levitt, just the season he had last season, there's, there's clearly a really, really good player in there. Um, 
and and yeah, I think having an informed Levitt in the middle of the park, I think all, most teams, if not all of them, would take that in the in the league just now. So, who would take a place? Probably. See, I'm I'm torn because Noan Kenny's come in from Hibs and he's only on loan, but he's been very very good. And we're probably not likely to get him back in the summer because I think Hibs have got him on like a three-year deal. So and he was loaned out to get games for experience to probably go back into Hibs and, and play for next season. Um, Victor Latouri is probably the, the most similar to Levitt in a technical midfielder, kind of sitting deep, can go potentially box-to-box if he's required to play that role. So I would I would probably say Latouri, but it would... Right now, on form, I, I, I don't think he would get in over him. But if I had to choose, then yeah. Okay. Plenty of confidence from yourself, Ross, anyway, tonight. Yeah. Um, as always. So thanks to Martin and Ross for returning. Always good to have you guys on. Uh, yes. We'll get you back on before the season finishes. That's fine. Um, just going to say, uh, can we give three players to Motherwell each? Would that be possible? We could, we could try that as well, eh? <laughs> Um, I'm sure. I'm sure Dundee United would love to give their goalkeeper. Yeah. Also, I've got to handicap uh, <laughs> well with the three worst players as a player. Oh, like, fans' fault for not players. coming on. He gets dumped with the rubbish. <laughs> that's, that's right. Okay. I, just... No, I like that, Mick Martin. Who are you giving then? <laughs> right. Well, Deutsch just can't score, so he, he can go. Right. Okay. Um, so they're getting Deutsch. Yeah, they're getting Deutsch. Um, and then Zach, Zach, Zach Hammond in goal because he's not been great. Oh, we can't go. We can go three each. Oh, right, yeah, no, no, three. Oh, oh, okay, right. I'm gonna. I've got to think about the worst player. I'm just trying to think of someone that would really be bad. This is uh, Blair Alston because he just can't run anymore. Bless him. Yeah, they can have Blair Alston in the midfield. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, I could probably guess who uh, Andy would want to give. It's a no-brainer because Liam Kelly's really good and Mark Berrigan's not, so it's an absolute no-brainer. Uh, probably the, the wor- by far the worst goalkeeper in the league going in for probably one of the best keepers, certainly outside the old firm. Um, and Ross, all Ross County players are great, but who would you sacrifice? Who would you give to Motherwell? Um, probably someone that's not seen games recently would probably be Dom Samuel. Samuel's last appearance was at Petodri at New Year. So if you're wanting to give someone over that's potentially not going to make an immediate impact if they're not match fit or anything like that, um, it would probably be him. Um, but right now, I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident or positive about counties it is, but I, I, don't think, I don't think we've got a rubbish player in the squad that I'd be happy to see go right now. I think it was different at the start of the window but with a bit of business and things and other players have potentially improved um, with the change of formation. I think it's changed a bit. So, Wasn't, wasn't Malky Makai a centre-back? He could maybe send him there. He might put his playing <laughs> boots on again. Aye, well, I think uh, there's maybe a couple of teams, I'm not going to name them, that could potentially do with a centre-half like that. But yeah, that's <laughs> uh, not going to that. That was a good one, Martin. Um, but yeah, we'll wrap up. Andy, thanks for coming on for the first time. We'll definitely get you back on. If you are Thank you much for having me on. Hopefully, if, if I am back on, it's as part of a kind of premiership podcast rather than one of your lower league reviews. Uh... <laughs> Aye, well, we'll see. We'll get you on for the, the Dundee playoff special. 
I mean that I, at the moment. I mean that that to be honest, frankly, I would certainly take eleventh. I just don't don't. To be honest, I, I would be confident against the sides in the chip because they seem to be stumbling around all over the place. So actually, if you strip out the kind of emotional element of it being a Dundee derby, Dundee are crap as well. So I mean, the, the sides that they could meet there are, are are poor, but it's just obviously the Dundee derby, the last thing. And similar to the Kilmarnock Air situation, it could be thrown up as. Fortunately, I think Ross is right. County will probably be clear of it, and also Inverness are too rubbish to to get uh, drawn in at that level. But yeah, who knows what what the playoff might be? I Maybe just up. point out that our last away win was um, in March against A United. <laughs> well, the cup, the cups are all right. You've won it ten castles. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the league. I'm talking about the league. Uh, you know, right. so oh, yeah. the last league win was away. Uh, so. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. I mean, I mean the, the flip side is right. If, if, if you win that, it's like the, the best result kind of possible towards a dreadful, the best end to a dreadful season, you know, ever. Uh, but you know, I think it won't be good for the heart rate for for either of us, Martin. If you if you end up playing air or we end up, you know, end up playing Dundee. No, I might just, um, yeah, it just it's not. It, yeah, remember tennis? Was it tennis and uh, or I don't know whatever else was. That was what you're taking. You're taking up Martin if it's. Yeah, my my new podcast may need, might not even take off in the summer because it may be over before it's begun. I do want to give that a shout out to build it up before it starts next year. Yeah, so I currently do two clubs, one love, uh, covering my two sides, but I'm now concentrating on Kilmarnock. Um, so it'll be the KFC View uh, along with Neil Doherty. Um, so if you'd like to please give that a follow, give it a retweet. Um, we're just going to build it up, and um, yeah, it's going to be basically launching this uh, pre-season. Um, Andy, I know that you like your stats. So if you give your page a wee plug. Yeah, so I've, on the Twitter, I'm at DUSD stats. So it's uh, me, kind of the anorak, looking back for the Arab archive. All, all, all of late have been really poor stats. First defeat in Dingwall since uh, 2015, etc. Because we've had a good record up there in, until recently. So. Um, and then Ross, your alternative page as well that you've got for County. Yes, um, it's at the County Corner on uh, Twitter and Instagram, but mostly Twitter. It's just, it's pretty much daily posts about County and if that interests you, give it a follow. There's potential plans for a podcast in the future? Yes, yes, up and coming. It's uh, We plan to get it going at the, the start of this season, but there was a few ongoing things and uh, and yeah, but we're all good to go. So, it's right. Cheers everyone. Uh, catch you soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers, John.